This is a code red, people. We need to scrap everything we've been doing for Call of Duty 8. We need that farm money or we're through. Scrap it, we're way too far into development to do something. Oh God! now. We, we, we could add a farming mini game. I like it. But we're a game about guns. Our fans will revolt. I agree. Compromise. Welcome back to Furry Dashi Pod. I am Lauren Ash here with your co-host Nicholas Tyson. Because again, we're doing double names now. <laughs> yeah, double names. Oh, sorry. Most people always just call me Lauren Ash now as like one name, just like as a Lauren Ash. Lauren Ash. Lauren Ash. Lauren Ash. <laughs> and that is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, no, we're actually going to talk about everyone's favorite triple A, double A, ah, development A minus, cycle. B plus. A minus, B plus. <laughs> I'm really like a C sharp developer, you know, C minus. C sharp. <laughs> yeah. No, C plus plus. Like you really passed averagely. Yeah. Um, we did We did okay. <laughs> we did really okay. Uh, so what I'm going to talk about today, or what I'm going to intro for us to talk about today. Yeah, I'm is, not going to say anything today. Know. Lauren's just going to no, ramble. No, it's just going to be me. Yeah. Honestly, I could ramble about this as a triple A developer who's also been from a studio that was talking about how we're making like the next quad a project vomit. which is you know what i've worked on i was not on a quad a project <laughs> um which is what a a a a and then there's going to be quad uh what is it quinte quinte uh, yeah quinte sextay sextay Septa, okay, would be kind of cool. That sounds pretty Septa, cool. Septa, if it were seven, Octay. Octay <laughs> is Octa the best. sounds like some weird, like, I don't know, restaurant in, like, lower Manhattan. Honestly, yeah. Octay <laughs> is, like, a lower Manhattan. It's, like, the lower Manhattan, like, octave bar, but it's just Octay. Honestly, yeah, we're, we're laughing about it because it gives us pain. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. And we want to talk about AAA development in the context of how you can't really talk about AAA development. Like, what does that development cycle really look like? What is the industry really actually kind of behind the scenes? And also yeah. from an outsider's perspective, though, what are the games that come out of, say, AAA studios versus AA studios versus, right, mobile developers? Yeah. What are those actual, right, products? How are we as an outsider and also as, like, a developer looking at those? And really, at the end of the day, Maybe we just need to throw away these terms and come up with something different, something better, or just not replace it at all. Just just talk about it as a nice milieu, like everyone's an author, right? And maybe mm -hmm. everyone's a game developer. Who knows? Right? I under I understand that impulse, like to just sort of like talk about things in terms of their details. Throw it out. 
<laughs> However, <laughs> he's like, you go. <laughs> um, but the okay. So the advantage of that is is that you're actually paying attention to the specific conditions under which a specific thing gets made, and so that way in the future, like let's say if you're a studio that produces a particular game and it's successful, if you understand all of sort of like the details in the production process of how that came to be, you could theoretically reproduce them. The problem with that is that like that analysis has a very limited form of use. And the reason why is because then if you're trying to look at the market from say, as you said, an outsider's perspective, you know, perspective more like mine where it's like, I'm not in the industry and yet I have knowledge through my friends like Lauren and others of the sorts of things that go on sort of internally, then that doesn't really satisfy me either as a scholar or as someone who is sort of trying to understand what games are becoming in relationship to what they have been. Yeah. And as a developer for myself, both in a, say, independent space and in a AAA space, I am not satisfied because as a developer working on, like in the trenches, honestly, what goes on, say, at like a AAA studio isn't really as, say, dire or as production maybe heavy as it could be at an independent studio that's really strapped for cash. Yeah. Right? And the types of production decisions that happen when you do and don't have money, it's almost just like you move the decimal place over and production is completely normal. It's just it. It's just a decimal place. And I think that there's a lot to be said for when you look at the outside and you look at all these games being released. I, like, I don't know that perspective, so I need to know it, right, from Nicholas. And on yeah. my perspective... I'm just kind of looking at like the insiders, I don't know, insight, right? Like it's not as magical or as hard or as different, I think, as a lot of people think about it. It seems like we've put this veil over AAA development and there's some secret magic sauce that happens. But at the end of the day, like I just don't think that exists. But after talking with Nicholas, maybe it does exist. And well, I because the veil is self- on the others. <laughs> okay, you're being, you're being slightly dishonest because the veil is self-imposed. I mean, it is. That's what I'm saying. We've drawn the curtain. Like the okay, Wizard of Oz. I see, I see what you're saying. So like the Wizard of Oz, we have drawn this curtain over AAA to go, it is magical. Like, don't look <laughs> behind the curtain. But really, we are all just this, you know, white, well, I mean, I'm going to say <laughs> most of us right now, the majority is just this white guy from Kansas that was yeah. like, I needed to get out of Kansas. <laughs> like, yeah. because there's nothing here. If yeah. you live in Kansas, like one of my friends does, I apologize profusely. Uh Sorry, it's a gross. We apologize to the entire state of Kansas. The entire state of Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like it it is. And as we get more diverse, I think we're recognizing that there are just better ways of working. And that will also change how we define the industry in the future. Okay, so there are a couple of structural things we need to talk about. One is where the term AAA even comes from in the first place. And I'll actually address that one second. Um, But I want to talk about the veil question because the veil thing is also partially it is a function of size because there is a legal apparatus that prevents a lot of information about how what let's call them larger studios function. And, you know, Lauren, you are subject to a lot of these legal devices like you actually have to make decisions on a day to day basis based upon, you know, several non-disclosure agreements that you have signed in the past. Yeah. And it's when Nicholas says I have to make these decisions, it's really important to remember that it's not affecting my work at the studio. It's when other people contact me for like, hey, I just want to like it could be a friend, like a close friend. And they're like, hey, could you just 
check this like, you know, publication I'm about to present. And I could be like, sure. Right. But if it gets any point to the point where they'd want to say, hey, special thanks, like just shout out here on YouTube. Um, I'd have to go, hold, hold on on a minute. I know that I helped you here, but uh, yeah. I got to go check with my PR rep real quick just to make sure that everyone's aware that, you know, we, we're friends and that I, and it's weird as an NBA, yeah. the veil has been created so that even if someone wants to interview me about my love of coffee, I have to go, Hey, uh, this has nothing to do with it. Do I need to sign a piece of paper that says Lauren gets to talk about coffee for 30 minutes with her friends? Um, if you're wondering, this podcast is actually also part of a piece of paper yep. that I said, Hey, I am doing this piece of paper to let you know that I do this podcast. And it's usually that simple, but sometimes, right. Especially if before launch, it could not be. Well, yeah. And the thing is, it, it's fine because of the fact that this podcast isn't really in a competitive place. Like it's because we're not producing content. We're not producing content that, that is sort of like either directly antagonistic to or even like competes indirectly with the work that you're doing for the studio that yep, you're currently absolutely. working for. However, yep, sorry. No, uh, I was going to say most of the time it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. it di doesn't directly compete. But we are in a situation. So, like, for so, I'll use a real life example. Um, I have well, not just I. Lauren is usually there with me too. We've been playing a bunch of indie games um, on stream, and specifically indie games by people who are nobodies, total nobodies. And the whole point of this, sorry, I, I we like know just, about you though. I feel you're like not nobodies to us. Yeah, you're actually not nobodies to us, and that's part of the point that I'm going to try to arrive at, which is that like as a result of playing these games. Both Lauren and I, more me than Lauren, have been in direct contact with a lot of these developers in terms of like helping them with their game and sort of like just being mentors, which and is a good thing. And that's, and yeah. And that's why I love working with Nicholas, though, is because he, like he said right there, more me than Lauren is specifically because while at work, I don't have to talk like this non-disclosure agreement or a non-competitive agreement obviously doesn't apply while I am working on the product in which I was hired to work on. But in my personal life, and the way I interact with people online, it, even as simple as like, hey, I really like your work. Can we talk about it? Usually it's fine. But still in the back of my head, I'm going like, can't, what can I talk about? What can I discuss? Right. And yeah. the self-imposed veil, while in maybe the public's mind is the Wizard of Oz drawn curtain, there is this legal veil that yeah. is, okay, I can peer back the curtain, but I can't just walk through whenever I want. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of the things that people want to know are specifically the kinds of things that are covered by those contractual agreements. And I mean, I, I'm not necessarily like for or against them. I understand why they exist. And, you know, in a future world where we have full communism, hopefully those sorts of things won't have to be the case. But I, I get why they exist. But in this current world where <laughs> we have a nice... world where we actually live... <laughs> Where we actually live and we have I, this I, I get, nice barrier of capitalism. <laughs> but the thing is, there's, there's a real drawback to it. And the thing, okay, so then this brings me back to the, the, the first point, which is now the second point that I want to address, was where is this concept of AAA come from in the first place? Well, the concept of AAA originally comes from financial markets because it is a measure that you use. So AAA, AA, like single A, B, and, and C, I believe, are a sort of like, easy shorthand for how you determine sort of the reliability of a particular financial product, often bonds. So for example, if like say a city has a triple A bond rating, that means that you as a like a venture capitalist or as an investor can be 100, almost 100% 100 certain that you're going to get your money back from that investment. But as a result, it also means that you're going to get a smaller return on your investment because it's a sure thing. 
Whereas when you get down into sort of like, you know, single A through the you know, C category, those are sort of riskier investments have higher rates of return. So the idea of a triple A studio is essentially like a sure bet. You know that if you pump millions of dollars into a triple A studio, you're probably going to get millions of dollars back out of it. The question is, did you get a good game out of that? Which, as far as like the people who do finance are concerned, doesn't factor into it. Whether or not the game is good is irrelevant. I mean, AAA studios produce a lot of good games. I'm not trying to say that like, you know, it's inherently bad just because they're commercial, but it's almost irrelevant whether or not it's a good game as to whether or not it makes money. And that's exactly where I'm talking about when I look at the production mentality. I've worked for a lot of A or AA studios, and usually A is roped into something called indie or independent, Yeah. right? Uh, you would never call an independent developer a B or C studio because I will go ahead and right now tell you that, you know, Minecraft would be in the C category because it initially, was yeah. initially, no, not anymore. right? Not anymore. But yeah. when it was initially funded, when a financial investor would have gone, it would have been C, right? Yeah. Undertale, C, to the yeah. moon, C. And like, doesn't that sound terrible? Yeah, it's horrible because from a financial <laughs> yeah. investment standpoint, those <laughs> games are my some of my favorite properties, either Minecraft to just talk about and that what it has done for the industry has been great. Yeah. And to the moon and Undertale, I mean, look, if anyone that's influenced by Shimagami Tensei is a best friend in my book. So I am just, I, I'm through the, over the moon is what I was going to say because I'm terrible at <laughs> accidentally doing puns. Yeah. But I want to bring that up because in a production mentality where if you are looking at this as a financial investor, whether it's your publisher or your development studios like CEO is looking at it that way, he'll go, this is a triple A game because it doesn't matter if the game is good. We just need to pump as much work as we can out of these people for two to three years and we'll make all of our money back because players are going to want to buy the skins or write the cosmetics or like Fortnite is an or, example. Or loot boxes right? or, or loot insert boxes your microtransaction or here. Yeah. Insert your microtransaction here, yeah. right? Then you look at other development studios that are not considered, say, AAA or Sherbets. Mobile games, for example, or the gotcha yeah. games like Genshin Impact are going to be made by a studio that is semi-considered AAA now that it's been successful. But yeah. see, then that's why it's a problem of defining it. Because exactly, wait, yeah. are you saying that this started as a C and now is a AAA? Is, and then now you get into what we call like the loaded term, where indie developers are always and forever perpetually stuck at an A and AA, because even though they are a sure bet, like I guarantee you, right? That whatever Supergiant makes next, I'm going to play and is most definitely going to be a hit. It will probably be a hit. At this that point, would yeah. make them at this point. Yeah. yeah. I would have said that even after Pyre, because I, I really actually liked Pyre. It just, I think, didn't do as much know. as what they wanted to do with it. I don't think, but... it, I don't think Hades was considered to be a sure bet. I think Hades was still considered a risk. Okay. I will take that. We can go down that path. I don't think but it was will, like I don't think it was like junk bond level, but I, I definitely think it was considered. It was definitely like A or double A, and yeah, now yeah, yeah, you yeah, think yeah. that they've kind of now, yeah. This... Now they have so much cultural cachet now, and super giant. Because the thing is, like most people don't know the names of studios, and so if like if your studio is now a known quantity, like in the way say a Blizzard is, or an Activision is, or a Take Two is, like then that gives you a degree of cachet that you didn't have previously. And so it's not necessarily like the next game that you put out, even if it's a stinker, is going to do well. But sort of like you are several steps up the ladder already simply because of the cultural cachet of your studio. 
Okay. You know what? I actually like that you said cultural cachet that because that because that kind of leads directly into what I was going to say with how independent like indeve- independent developers. Wow, excuse me. <laughs> I can't talk today. Yeah. Independent developers sometimes are stuck at the double A and A no matter how financially successful they are yeah. because of their studio size versus triple A developers are kind of always higher up and behind that veil and like seen in more reverence sometimes because of how assured they are in their job. But then when you get to that level, that leads to the problem of the cultural cachet of a property that continually makes billions of dollars know how terrible it is. And that is Call of Duty. Well, that's the thing is right? Call of Duty is not terrible. It's, it's, it's like, no, it's a great it's game. Like me- it's like mediocre plus. And that, I think that's really sort of what But it, it's a sure bet. People yeah, will exactly, buy that yeah. game. It makes billions of dollars Yeah. when like, yeah, if no developer is like saying they didn't want that 50 K to hundred K like bonus check, that's not even a salary. Yeah. Right. Like, and I'm not saying that that's what those developers are getting. There are like 12 to 13 studios now from Activision all working on Call of Duty. And this is not to say anything negative against those developers, nor to say anything against the property of Call of Duty itself, in which is actually a very solid game experience and a good game. Yeah. However, it is the same game. Yes. Which lends credence to the AAA metaphor of being a sure bet because you yeah. are making Precisely. the same game. Yeah, and so you that, have to. that is the argument, right? And you have to, because once you get into that tier, in order, to, so it's the same way with bond ratings. In order to maintain a certain bond rating, you have to adopt a particular kind of fiscal behavior that is expected from investors in order to stay in that category. And so the same is true for studios. In order to maintain that like top tier major studio, or maybe one day become the sep- the first sep day studio, which is a ridiculous concept, but to become the first one, you are going to have to adopt a lot of really probably not self-destructive, but counterproductive behaviors that your designers are probably not going to be super happy with, but you're going to have to get them on board with. And in generally, it's not creatively stifling so much as it's sort of creatively middling. And suffocating. It is very suffocating (laughs) because, I mean, the, the problem is like Call of Duty has figured something out in terms of especially its combat mechanics. And really then just sort of like picks a particular like, you know, with the most recent with the like the Cold War um, iteration, I can't think of a better way to describe it. Essentially, all they did is they took the, the same mechanics from modern warfare and then just like, OK, now it's taking place like in the 60s in you know, the height of the Cold War. But it's still fundamentally you're right. It's still fundamentally the same game with with a different skin. And that's great because like the thing is, so I'm a person who really likes Oreos, like the Oreo cookie has been the same pretty much since time immemorial. It has not changed. It is not innovating at all. No one at Nabisco is like, we have to <laughs> we, we, we have to do some creative destruction with the Oreo. Because every time they do, every time they try to create a new Oreo, people are like, well... Okay. Well, in America, in, in China, they actually, the Oreo cookie is a standard pirouette cookie. If anyone's familiar with those, it's like yeah. a flaky long thing. And that's because that was more popular in China. And so yeah. the Oreo in China is like this, I love the pirouette cookie, so I would prefer yeah. that Oreo. Yeah. But I also really like the regular Oreos. Or like so Kit Kats in a, Japan. Kit Kats in Japan. Kit Kats in Japan, right? In the US, yeah. So you see that you make these financial decisions. Yeah. So on on the topic of of Oreos and of Call of Duty and of that mentality, <laughs> right? Oh, that's going to be the notice, title of this episode of Oreos and Call of Duty. <laughs> of Oreos and Call of Duty, right? The flavor sandwich. Um. <laughs> Let's looking at it from a <laughs> sorry. 
The flavor sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Let's get into this from that perfect practical experience that you know and love from me. And I want to go into something that we're all familiar with known as the game loop, right? Or the system loop. When you look at what Nicholas is saying here with how AAA development and AAA bonds means that you make decisions that make more AAA development, right? And more AAA bonds. From the past couple weeks, you've listened to our aggressive rants and show rants on Stadia and its decision that's stifling game design. Here's actually why the rating system or calling a studio a AAA studio is also stifling innovation in games. And this is why a lot of AAA developers and a lot of studios get flack for making the same types of experiences over and over again that honestly aren't always hits. And then it leads to studio shutdowns, studio layoffs, etc. When you are a AAA developer, you have a team of, say, senior level developers That's another problem because they're all seniors because it's a new studio, so they don't really hire juniors. Uh, But separate, separate topic. You have a bunch of seniors. We all want to create something amazing. We all want to do something different. We've all got these different experiences and walks of life. They all come together and they make a hit, right? Say three to five years later, boom, it's a AAA hit. Well, as a AAA studio, we're going to keep making that AAA hit. So we're going to do what? The same game, another AAA hit. Boom. Okay. Repeat, repeat. This is how you got, right? Call of Duty. This is how you got Activision. This is how you get Bethesda games, right? Or this Halo is why, or any of the or other Halo. games. Or Halo. Yeah. And also, right, this is why you get franchises, yep. right? Now you're getting, right, it's not just Assassin's Creed 1, it's Assassin's Creed Septa, <laughs> right? It's just forever. But that's the game loop. Create a AAA team, get a AAA game, make another AAA game, right? Get more AAA team. Right, get juniors, train juniors to be AAA developers to make AAA game, AAA team. Now, here's where we talk about the game loop of independent developers. And honestly, this is why independent development and indie development particularly is what's pushing our industry forward, not the AAA studios. I think that we can change this. So I'm going to break down the independent cycle, which is with using Hades as an example, Supergiant creates, you know, AA, A-level games, creates Bastion creates Transistor, which is amazing, right? Creates Pyre, which is pretty good, right? I like Pyre. Let's say that they go, they make an A title. Let's call Bastion A, which in my opinion is horrible because Bastion was amazing. But let's just say that's what it is because it also was on mobile and I actually played it on mobile first. Well, well, it it was Um, originally on mobile. You can play Bastion. It was originally on mobile, right? Yes. You know as well. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I originally played it on mobile, which I guess was the first platform for it, which now makes me feel really cool because I played it all the way. So while you're talking, Um, I'm going to make sure that's true. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Please make sure that's true. Let's say they make an A title. Then they're like, okay, we're really innovative. We really want to hone in on this. They get more funding and they make a double A title called Transistor. Boom. All right. Now they're moving up in, say, bond or financial success. They put all their money into it. They get investment. Um, now they're going to make Pyre. Pyre is going to be this kind of, it's not a co-op experience, but it's going to mimic co-op and single player. They're really excited for it. Doesn't hit as well as Transistor though. Now their ranking goes down to A. Now they're a little bit riskier. Now Supergiant goes, okay, well, we learned from our mistakes. Now let's make, right, Hades. Hades is a AAA prop, like product. Hades is an amazing game. Everyone knows who Supergiant is now. So they make a AAA game. If... They were going to continue in the AAA model. Guess what Supergiant's next hit would need to be? Hades. Hades Like Hades 2. Hades again. So it's like like correction. Um, 
Bastion was originally released on Xbox Live Arcade. Okay, Bastion Sorry. was originally released Sorry. on Xbox Live Arcade. Okay, However, ahead. I still played it on mobile, and <laughs> this is why I love my mobile developers, because you guys are great. I love all developers of all games. All of you are great. Um, on my argument, though, right, yeah. from Bastion to Transistor to Pyre to Hades, in order to continue to being a sure success, mm. you have to do the exact same sure success. Independent developers are notorious for pushing our industry forward because they take those risks that AAA developers cannot, or yes. rather the milieu of money needed for AAA development usually cannot. Independent developers are also stuck in never becoming, say, AAA quality because they do different things. And so when you do something different, they're automatically going to have more risk. And so it falls them financially into a AA category. Yeah. Now they're stuck. Even if they do the next AAA title, simply by saying, hey, we're doing something different, they fall into the AA category. And you look at this in a lot of those pitch meetings and the financial investment meetings for independent developers, that it is just incredibly hard to get funding if you are not doing a AAA sure financial success title. You yeah. just can't get funding if it's not angel investment, which means um, angel investors don't want uh, any return on their investment because they're angels versus yeah. venture capitalists who are adventuring with capital so that you get capital back to them. Yeah, they okay? expect that when they come back, they're going to get their quest reward. Yeah, they expect when they come back, they're going to get their quest reward. Yeah. that I love that. <laughs> Which is usually a share of your company. <laughs> it's usually a share of your company, like okay, Shark so, Tank. See, but here's, yeah. okay, here's a complication that I want to, want to introduce. Because I think then, given this framework, there would have to be at least, probably more, two kinds of indie developer. Because... You know, mm -hmm. you can think you can think of the kind of indie developer, like say the the people who started. Um, what's the name of the company that did uh, Shovel Knight? Is it like Yacht? Oh, Yacht, Yacht Club. Yacht Club. Thank you. Yacht Club. So, like the the guys who started that studio and created Shovel Knight, they didn't necessarily come from a AAA studio, but they did come from a studio that was primarily known for like producing games based upon IP licenses. So they were producing games within the market. So they were essentially like. Um, low rent LucasArts, <laughs> if you will. Sure. And yeah. they became extremely dissatisfied with that precisely the production cycle that Lauren described for the AAA space. That's sort of like trying to churn out the same kind of thing over and over again so as to have the same kind of financial success that the company had had in the past. They didn't want to do that anymore, so they started their own company. They created Shovel Knight. They made a ton of money off of it. But now they are in themselves in that sort of like possibly a to double a to triple a sort of like purgatory where like i know that yacht club recently like was doing a big hire i don't necessarily know why if it was to replace people or if they're sort of like scaling up but the thing is uh, i believe they're scaling up just so, from their website yeah, yeah so so then like the the question you have to ask is are they going to try and become triple a or are they going to sort of like accept where they are in that space now that is a kind of indie developer precisely because they came from a dissatisfaction with like the industry as it worked yet at the same time they accept the rules of that game as written so like the thing is they're still playing that game we all have to play that game in the financial sense of it however in the financial sense but that, that's why i'm saying that, that i think there at least has to be one other type of indie developer who isn't necessarily trying to play that financial game. Who is actually... So this is why I play a lot of games by students. Because 
they are not in a position really to even to be able to play that game. So their creativity stems from a desire to produce something both for themselves and for the other people that they directly interact with. So like, for example, I'm on a couple of Discord servers servers with developers of games that, that we have played. And that I cannot describe to you how amazing it feels to be on that level with someone who is essentially like, like a little babby developer, like someone who is who is coming into their own and who doesn't actually have to deal with the strictures of that market. I think that is a different kind of developer precisely because they're not coming from a mindset of being dissatisfied with the strictures of an existing industry. They, they haven't internalized that yet, I don't think. Yeah. No, honestly, I, I love that because my whole philosophy and argument for this is that those are the two existing system and like systemic game loops or system loops we see in our modern day game development. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they are the only ones. I do think there are multiple types of independent developers, right? There are, right, Supergiant and Yacht Club, while both say being in that financial space, are actually very different developers. Yes. Not to mention there are a lot of smaller teams of seven or eight that occupy the same financial space, right, as companies like Supergiant and Yacht Club. Yeah. but are even relatively new. Let's look at a model that we've all been kind of like teetering on these past couple of years where AAA developers are branching off of the Activision right market and creating multiple new studios. Yeah. So for example, a lot of studios came out of Blizzard, right? Down yeah. in the LA OC area. And I'm not familiar with the titles because I am really bad with names. Unless I have obviously have played your work and have fallen in love with it. Um, <laughs> Martin's like Supergiant Yakko, there you go. Uh, for anyone who hasn't played those games, uh, I hate platformers and Shovel Knight is great. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, I actually also kind of like Celeste as well. I just can't play it. Sorry, it's a little bit too skillful for me. Even my Super Meat Boy. My daughter, my daughter loves Celeste. It's, it's a great yeah, game. Even, it is a really great even, game. Even Super Meat Boy was a little bit too skilled for me. I don't know what that says about Shovel Knight. I guess I just. I don't know. There's so many videos about how accessible and beautiful it's, it is. So it is, I'm it not going to talk about it. You are allowed to not like particular kinds of games. That's fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Totally I know. I hate it. As a game developer, I feel like I should like everything, but you're right. I, I think that's a ridiculous point. I don't think have. I need to. Yeah. Um, since there are so many people coming out of this AAA cycle and not liking the AAA cycle, but because the people themselves are AAA quality, that's a whole that's a whole different like okay topic. I'm, I'm following you here with like you right? guys can't see this but my eyebrows are like in the back of my skull right now yeah it's <laughs> no my eyebrows and my eyes are in the back of my skull I'm saying this. Okay. so because these people are triple a quality it's a whole other whole other mess they are as financially secured as like a triple a studio bond when they go and create these new triple a studios that's why when you see okay. the big names coming out of a Blizzard or Activision yeah. or like other developer, even say, I don't know, maybe Take-Two, right, has a couple yeah. with like Levine, right? Since their names are familiar and associated with larger, very successful properties, the people themselves are have a higher return on investment or a more assured success yeah. than say someone who like my, even myself, right? If I went out and did a game myself, I am a nobody to the financial world. They like, yeah. I really am. Like, even if you searched yeah. for me and you're like, wow, she has good SEO, you would still be like, I'm a nobody. Like, I would not be a sure success. I would be that C or B category for financial investment. And that's not to say that I'm not a AAA quality developer, question mark, because I work at I a AAA I should know that when, when Lauren was my student, Lauren was an A student. So, 
Oh, thank you. I'm at least an A. All right. <laughs> you guys, so for all of you, so for all of you out there who are thinking like, oh, I don't know if she's bankable or not, she was an A student. So. All right. I'm bankable. I'm an A student at least. Um, so, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is a new type of transition in philosophy. Not that we haven't seen in games before, but I would say one that has not been as journalistically covered as before no. is so many AAA developers being sat dissatisfied with AAA leaving AAA, starting an independent studio, but now we're having this argument because what do we call those studios? Do we call them independent studios? Yeah. Even well, if we, we know they're going to make a hit? Unfortunately, yeah. we currently do, but I don't think that's a good idea because for all the reasons that we've just laid out, like there are market conditions, financial incentives, and you're, you're precisely right. Like it even attaches to particular individuals now. Like Chris Metzen is more bankable than you or I are. Definitely more than me and probably more than you simply because of like their history and like their personal visibility as like the leaders of very successful long term projects. The thing is, it's like I really want to focus on these studios like Yacht Club, like Supergiant or even a studio like that game company, which, you know, made one of the most sort of like aesthetically interesting games, period, in Journey. And now is running one of the largest MMOs in existence. Yep. That is totally flown am, under the radar. Completely under the radar. Completely under the radar. I am so happy you brought up Sky because Sky is a very lovely, beautiful, and fantastic game. Everyone go out and play it. Don't play Genshin Impact. Don't play that <laughs> nonsense of gotcha mechanics. So it's probably really fun. I just can't get into it. It is a it. fun game. I just don't like gotcha just, games. Yeah, go play. I actually like gotcha games and I don't like it. I don't know, man. We're the opposite. Well, maybe we the need same to like combine. <laughs> we need to combine. Play it together. Um, yeah, guys. It's just gone completely under the radar because it's doing well and it's not a sexy thing to talk about because it's just good. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't think right? that, it, that it's just good. One, like, so here's the thing. There is a, I think that game company is a really good example of these developers that are trying to move between indie slash major spaces, as I'm going to call them, as a means to try and transform the major space. Because the thing is, like, if you look at who Sky was marketed to, primarily a, a much, much younger audience and is specifically um, created in such a way so as to be amenable for small children to play, which is something that, you know, your Final Fantasy 14s, your Black Desert Online, your World of Warcraft, like they don't think those are audiences at all for their games. Yep. If like they happen, like if say a 10 year old kid accidentally happens to pick up World of Warcraft, they're like, okay, whatever. But we're not going to do anything to make the experience better for that person. We're not even necessarily going to build any systems in to like prevent them from being harassed or anything like that. Whereas Sky is designed from the ground up to, I don't want to call it a safe space, but to create a kind of space in which that old school, like general audience for video games can work. Yeah. And the, and, and, it, and the thing is, it's something that had to come from an indie studio precisely because AAA slash major studios, whatever we're calling them, like that's not even in their mind anymore. And absolutely. And I hate that. And I really like the way that you described it, because as we want to end this episode, I want to have everyone remember, like, stay a student. Like, exactly, there's a reason yeah. why student games are so good. 
and terrible. They're also terrible. And terrible. (laughs) No, I made a student game. It was good. It was terrible. It was all in between, right? And when you look at things in the major sphere of influence of games, the major sphere, I want us to remember that like we don't need to always arbitrarily put these labels onto games or onto properties because gaming as a market is more than just the video games that this major consumer plays. And if AAA developers, even those that are offshoots, consider their main audience like the typical average player, by the time your game is released, that typical average player is gone because now they're four years older. Yeah. Now, right? And so that means that your typical average player is was is four years younger than what you want right now. What yeah. are they actually actively playing? If you want a 14-year-old to play your game four years from now, they are currently 10 years old playing Sky. Yeah. So remember that. Stay a student. Do your homework. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> and we're going to go even more in-depth into this sub- subject on our Patreon. So please follow us there. And until then, good luck out there in the Wild West of Games.